0: A quick note before you dive into today's episode, while I will always be an advocate for multi-passionates embracing their talents as a gift, not a burden, I have decided that I'm no longer going to run a business with that as the goal. Please note that as you listen to any episodes, any of the offers that I have expressed, especially my coaching program, which I've talked about in many episodes, those are no longer relevant as my business is closing. If you'd like to stay connected, come and find me on LinkedIn. The link will be added across the show notes in all episodes. Be well. Welcome to the Multi-Passionate Mastery Podcast. The podcast where creatives come to embrace their talents as a gift, not a burden. I'm your host, Deanna Joy, lover of crystals and houseplants, and mom to a very cute rescue pup named Chai. Together, we'll explore how to finally make friends with focus, Ditching overwhelm and idea fatigue once and for all, and how to be unapologetic about who you are as a multi-passionate. But I'm not just going to pump you up with a bunch of empowerment content. I'm going to give you tools and practices that you can implement starting today. It's time to unlock your multi-passionate mastery. Let's begin. Welcome to episode 10. This is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm recording this in the evening, and by the way, I wanted to tell you that I've graduated from my mom's closet. I no longer have to drive all the way to my mom's house to record in her closet. If you listen back to the episode that's titled The Intersection Between Focus and Determination, you'll hear me talk about how I had to drive all the way to my mom's house and record in her closet because I could not find a quiet place in my apartment that had good sound quality. But since then, we've hired a podcast team. So now I have a great team who edits the show and does all the back end stuff on my behalf, and they can make it sound really great no matter where I'm at. So I can record from home now. And the lesson in that is even if you have to make some sacrifices, they may not be long term. You never know what can turn around. So make the sacrifice that you need to make in order to get your work done. And then You never know, you know, an opportunity might come where you no longer have to make that sacrifice. So I'm coming at you from my bedroom, which is really fun. It's pretty late (laughs) at night as I'm recording this and I'm drinking some hot cocoa that my friend sent to me in a care package. So I'm feeling really relaxed. (laughs) So you might hear that in my voice a little bit, but don't get it twisted. Even though I might sound a little bit relaxed, I'm super excited to talk about today's subject. We are going to talk about niching down. Dun, dun, dun. If you are multi-passionate, the concept of niching down probably feels like something out of a scary movie. How do you niche down if you're not even sure what you want to do yet? Do you really need to niche down? Are you really missing out on the riches if you're not focusing on a super, super small, narrow niche? We're gonna talk about all that in today's episode and brace yourself because there are gonna be some unpopular opinions shared, but I really feel that this is going to be a very, very needed and refreshing conversation. Okay, so let's start with the whole concept of choosing a niche. When I first started my blog back in 2017, all the advice I saw was that you should choose your niche in order to have a successful blog. But that made exactly zero sense to me because the whole point of starting a blog was to find my voice and say whatever I wanted, not choose one thing and then say that again and again, right? That was just not the point. So I organically arrived at my niche. So there's a difference there. We can talk about choosing a niche as if it's just simply a choice that you make, or we can reframe this into the niche being a space of an arrival. You arrive to your niche over time. I organically arrived at my niche through blogging by writing a shit ton of articles about a bunch of different topics. And then eventually I started to feel what I was most excited to write about. And I did more of that, but I still gave myself permission to continue exploring various topics. And the cool thing about that was as I explored other topics, I found that I kept returning to wanting to support, uplift, and celebrate multi-passionate creatives. And eventually that snowballed into the business that I have now where I'm focused on creating solutions for you, for multi-passionates like you who are listening. So if I had just chosen a niche out of the gate when I started my blog, I can almost guarantee you it would have had to do something with houseplants or maybe like crystals or home decor, because those were really fun things to blog about, or maybe like even recipes. I I was really into cooking at one point. So if I had just said, well, I want to start a blog, so I better pick what it's going to be about. I can almost guarantee you that I would not have organically arrived at this work that I'm doing now, which is my life's work. This is like my soul's work that I'm doing now to help you, to help multi be empowered and able to fully embrace who they are because they have systems, processes, and structures that support that, right? So that's where I'm at now. But this whole concept of choosing a niche is definitely not how I arrived to where I'm at. So rather than thinking about a niche being something that you choose, I want for you to consider that through the process of trial and error, You will arrive there organically. Consider that your niche or a niche can be an arrival versus just something that you choose. Before you make that choice, you're going to want to try things out, which brings us to the next point. It's okay to try things out. Let's take a moment and think about all the spaces in our lives where we're given freedom to try things out before we need to commit or double down. Let's start with the froyo shop. (laughs) This is my favorite example. So it's a hot day and you want some frozen yogurt. So you go to your local froyo shop. What's the first thing you do when you walk in? You grab your little taster cup, right? That little cup. And you start trying out flavors. You might be looking at what they're called, seeing what sounds good. You try one and you notice, oh, it's a little too sweet. I don't think I could eat a whole, you know, a whole cup of this. Or you try another one, but you feel like it's better if it's mixed with something else. You try something else and you don't quite like the taste. You're trying things out and then something clicks and you're like, okay, I've got it. I'm going to go grab my big cup and I'm ready to fill it up. Typically, even when you grab that big cup, even when you have your big cup moment there's more than likely a combination of flavors inside of that cup, right? And no one's judging you when you go into the frozen yogurt shop. No one is saying, hey, why didn't you just come in here, get your big cup, go straight to the thing and get one flavor? Like how dare you try things out before you commit to a flavor? No one's judging you like that, right? But when it comes to business, being in business and niching down, People talk about it like it is what you must do before you make any other choices. Just think about that for a second. Kind of weird, right? A little bit backwards. Now let's think about going to a shoe store. So you walk into a shoe store and you see all these different options. I'm thinking back to when I went to the mall for the first time in like literally years, literally years. And I went there because I wanted to get a cute pair of shoes for my birthday. I found myself in a shoe store, like in a department store, which it's just felt so strange. But anyway, I was looking at all these different shoes and I wanted to try a few pairs on. I most certainly did not walk into the shoe store, see a pair of shoes, and just grab them. I wanted to try a few different pairs on. That's typically the experience that we have in a shoe store. (laughs) If you buy all your shoes online, you're probably like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but. If you've ever been to the mall or went somewhere where you were looking for shoes, you know, part of the process is you sit there and you try on a bunch of different pairs and then you leave with the ones you like the most. You might even leave with the ones you like the most in more than one color, right? But you have choices. That's what I'm saying. You walk into that store and you have choices. How about apartment hunting? When you go apartment hunting or you're looking for a place to live, Do you not go and maybe check out a few different places and then see which one you like the most? Is that not the process? You don't really get to try it out per se. You don't get to like spend a night there, but you get to go and get a feel for it, walk around in the space, look around, open the closets, all of that before you commit. And there's so many other examples, but I'll stop there. But do you see what I'm saying? There's so many places in our lives, we're trying something out first is the norm. Yet, when it comes to niching down, we're supposed to just come out of the womb and be like, okay, I know exactly what I want to do and I know exactly who I'm going to serve. It's a little bit backwards. There's so much to be said about trying things out. How else are you going to learn your likes, your dislikes, your hell yeses, your hell noes? If you're concerned about whether or not you should niche down, Try asking this question instead. Have I given myself a chance to experiment and try things out? Or am I rushing a process that could be exciting, expansive, and even miraculous if I allow it to unfold organically? Those are much more powerful questions than, do I need to niche down right now and what is my niche going to be? Can you feel the difference? Okay, let's move on to the next point. Another thing that I have a hard time getting behind is the concept of the ideal client avatar. People are not avatars. They are humans. (laughs) So rather than saying, who's my ideal client avatar? Who's my niche? A much better question is, who are my people? Who are my people? Doesn't that already feel like something that's more genuine and coming from more of a heart-centered space, who are my people? Who do I wanna help? Who do I wanna serve? What are some of the things that they might like? What do they have in common with one another? That's a fun one, right? I can tell you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're one of my people, you probably have some house plants. You might be kind of into like crystals and a little bit of the metaphysical. You maybe even have an instrument in your home. Even if you don't play it, maybe at some point you started to learn it. Maybe you tinker with it here and there. I bet you have like a coloring book somewhere on your shelf, even if you don't use it anymore. Those are some things that I would think that my people, you might have in common with one another. And then we could say, what, you know, what do your people have in common with you? So what do you have in common with me? If you're listening to this and you're my people, you probably value the feeling of someone giving you permission to think outside the box, you value unpopular opinions. You're not afraid to go against the grain. And it's refreshing for you to hear someone challenge some of the norms that we are being kind of force fed in certain industries. That we would definitely have in common. I'm the same way. I really like to hear fresh perspectives and I bet you do too. And I also love crystals and houseplants, so (laughs) that's another one. And I have an instrument in my home and coloring books, so we might all have that in common with each other. Now, I could say my ideal client avatar is Susie, and she has houseplants and crystals and she used to play an instrument, but she doesn't anymore. But then I'm focusing on this one avatar, this one imaginary person, and it feels so fixed. It doesn't feel very fluid and it most certainly doesn't feel very multidimensional. So asking the question, who are my people, can really work far better than considering that there's only one type of person out there who can benefit from the unique perspective that you have to offer as a multi-passionate. Another funny thing about people versus avatars is that people change. People change, and your niche, once you arrive there organically, is very likely to evolve over time. So when I say that your niche may evolve, it's because people evolve and change. That includes you. You're gonna evolve and change. You're gonna start to get a feel for what people are really receptive about or what you love to talk about the most. This could look like you honing in on solving a more specific problem than you had in the past or adding more specific collections to your shop to fit with an aesthetic that you've seen gaining popularity amongst your customers, or creating a body of work about a subject that you've seen be unrepresented in the industry that you're in. Growth happens when we allow ourselves to operate in the world as human beings, and we stop looking at people as avatars. Unpopular opinion, but I'm sticking to it. And lastly, let's talk about choosing not to niche down too far. This is something that is pretty near and dear to my heart because I don't really niche down very far. And I want to tell you a story about how I've had to really double down on that and how I've had to defend myself in certain situations. And I want to share this with you because I want you to see that you don't have to follow the conventional advice that you need to niche all the way down as far as humanly possible. If you have adopted the perception that your niche is something that you arrive at through trial and error, and that it's about the people that you serve and the person that you are in that relationship that continues to grow and evolve, then you'll know that it's something that's going to change and shift over time. So it's okay to say, hey, I've chosen sort of a niche. I know who my people are but I'm not going to keep trying to niche down further and further and further. I'm going to let that happen organically, right? So that is so more than okay, but there's not a lot of people who tell you that that's okay. And so I don't think that you need permission to do anything, right? You need to give yourself permission, but here's your permission. (laughs) like If you need a permission slip or you just needed to hear someone else say it to make sure that it wasn't just something that you had thought about, please like hear me when I say, if you overthink niching down and you let that put a cap on what you share and how you show up, you're not doing yourself any favors. And you're certainly not doing your people any favors. Let it be an organic thing that happens. Let it be a symbiotic relationship. Okay. So let me tell you a story that happened to me recently so that you can kind of understand exactly what I mean. I'm in a coaching program and they have a Facebook group and I posted a question in the program and one of the coaches commented and they were looking for some clarity about who I serve. So they were like, okay, I know that you help multi-passionates, but what kind, you know, are they entrepreneurs or service providers, writers, makers, moms, what kind? And when I saw the comment, I like let out a big sigh and, I rolled up my sleeves and I got to typing my response. And here's exactly what I said. I said, I don't feel the need to niche down any further than that. My work is not industry specific. Not is in all caps, by the way. There are multi-passionates in every industry. So if you're looking for me to say coaches or makers, that is not going to happen. The whole point of my work is that I'm not here to narrow people down to being just one thing. I appreciate you trusting my judgment on this so we can move forward. And I didn't even add an emoji or anything. I just left it just like that. That's what I said. And I doubled down and I had to defend the fact that I wasn't going to niche down any further. After I said my piece, the coaches really got it. And from there forward, I felt more open to their input. And it actually enhanced my experience in the program because I had chosen to stand up for the fact that I did not feel that I needed to niche down any further and they were able to respect that. And actually it even opened their eyes to see why the work that I'm doing is a little bit more unique and it's a little bit different than what's currently out there. And, you know, with this choice to not niche down super far, it can come with some misunderstanding from other people. But here's the thing. You don't, have to make choices just so that other people never question you. If that's how you are choosing to make your choices, if you're saying, well, I'm just going to do this because I don't want anyone to question me. People will question you no matter what you do. It's more about them than it is about yourself. So focus on making choices that feel good for you. That is such a better place to land. If you have a niche and you want to niche down as far as you can, by all means, please do that. But as a multi-passionate, I can bet that being told to niche down can feel sometimes like someone's forcing your hand or someone's trying to put you in a box that you know is just not for you because you built the box, right? Like you're outside of the box looking at the bigger picture. So you can absolutely choose not to niche down too far. You can do whatever you want. As long as your heart is in it with you, As long as you're willing to try things and see what happens organically, as long as you trust that your niche is a living thing that will evolve and change over time, just like people do, you really can't get it wrong. This was such a refreshing conversation and I would love to know how you feel about niching down. Come find me over on Instagram and let's keep the conversation going. You can find my handle linked down in the show notes. All right, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Multipassionate Mastery Podcast. If you received anything valuable from this episode, send it to a friend. I know you've got some creative people in your life who need to hear this. Also, please take a moment to pop over to iTunes and leave a review. Even sharing one sentence about how you feel about this podcast can help us reach the hearts and ears of more multi-passionates. If you're not exactly sure how to leave a review, I've left some instructions for you down in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.